Who never do for do? Yeah, wings with friends. Ah, wings with friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Shoo do boom ba boom. Sing too loud. Okay. One time somebody wrote on like a feedback form. It was at work, and they're like, "She yells when she talks," and it's always stayed with me. But I'm like, I I do actually. Yeah, seems okay. I mean, thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch, and I am delighted to be here on this very special late night edition. We've actually done maybe one or two kind of after hours uh, episodes, but it's been a while. So I am super excited uh, to be here with um, honestly, I was gonna say a good friend of mine, but I don't know you, but I'm hoping by the end I can say this, my good friend, T.L. Devaney. Yeah, let's hope so. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, T.L.? I'm pretty good. It's not as late for me as it is for you since I'm here in Seattle and we're on West Coast time. Oh, you're in Seattle. Yeah. All so right. So that's... It is raining. So just so you know, <laughs> nobody it has rained... to ask. <laughs> Everyone has to talk about it. It rained here in Arizona for about two hours yesterday, and that was very exciting, and now it's done. Yeah, I heard all about the Arizona rain because I'm now friends with about 10 Phoenix comics on Facebook, so I know whatever happens in Arizona now. You know, you're widening your reach. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, once uh, Zoom comedy became a thing and you started becoming friends with comics all over United States and all over the world actually it's like you don't need to you know look at the weather anywhere else because you just are hearing it all the time from everybody that you know absolutely and like let's talk about that in a sec because like that's been one of the silver linings to doing zoom comedy and doing you know in the pandemic but tell us tell my listeners who are you what makes you so special so special um well I don't know. I will. I'm, I'm transgender. So that's one thing that gets me in the special category right off the top. Uh, and um, I've been doing comedy. I started doing comedy in 2014, but I actually stopped in 2017 for various health and life reasons. And then uh, actually the pandemic and the uh, you know, Zoom comedy becoming a thing enabled me to start back up again. So that actually was a really good thing. Because in addition to being transgender, I suffered a traumatic brain injury when I was three years old. And I uh, have a bunch of long-term health consequences from that. So doing comedy can be a lot, especially, you know, I work full-time, I support myself. So it gets to be a lot in this life. <laughs> you know, I have like, you know, there's something I say, you know, I have a bit of, I have, a lot of material on all of the stuff that I'm talking about, but you know, one of the things I say is I, I say I have both narcolepsy and insomnia, which yeah. is, you know, some a condition I also like to call literally living the dream, you know? Yeah. So that's, you know, that's one thing is I have like multiple sleep disorders. Uh, is one of the things I have a seizure disorder, you know, I have uh, a, a whole bunch of stuff going on all the time health-wise. So, um, there's a lot of challenges in, in, in doing comedy, but it's also, you know, um, one, you know, it is, it is a good uh, base for material. <laughs> and two, it's, uh, you know, 
it makes it better to always be looking for something to laugh at, you know? Yeah. So. You know, that's incredible. And I think that's probably one of the things that drew me to you. And I was, cause you know, you have so much going on. You're overcoming so much just on a day-to-day basis. And I mean, I think that's, it's incredible. So kudos for you for like just doing it all. And then to have comedy, like what a great, I don't know if it's therapy or like you said, something to look forward to, like, um, good. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it's weird to me because, you know, because the, the head injury happened at such a young age, like, I don't know anything else, you know, in fact, uh, because of the way things happened in my life, like basically they called me good when I was six years old when I stopped having um, grand mal seizures. And then I didn't know I was suffering the long-term effects of a brain injury for most of my adult life. I kind of had to figure it out after like a lot of really hard struggling years and not knowing all the stuff was going on because I didn't have any other point of reference. You know, it's like if you're living inside this body and this is how things work, you don't really know that. I mean, you might look at other people and think they don't seem to be having such a hard time or they don't seem to be, you know, these things don't seem to be happening to them, but you just kind of are going through your life trying to make it through day to day. And you don't really, you know, you don't, it's not like you can look back at some other time when things are different, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's really been, uh, I've had a, a bit of an interesting life experience because the other thing about me too, is that I was adopted at birth. And uh, in my early 30s, I found my family of origin. So, um, yeah, I've got, uh, I got a lot of stories about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, you know, that was the one thing that I kind of thought of as it being a possibility, you know. And after I was able to do that, um, a lot of things started to seem more possible, you know. Because it's like... You don't really know, especially because uh, when I was growing up, there wasn't the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, where would you even start to try to find who your parents were, you know? Um, yeah, and, and that's, and it's funny because people still did it before the internet, but mm-hmm. like way more what manual, <laughs> you know, like the phone book. and Right, I never had money and it was like, people had to hire private investigators, Yeah, you know? And it was like, yeah. Well, and then it turned out, come to find out that like, because I was born in Alaska, they have always had uh, open birth records to the adoptee after you turn 18, which I didn't know. And then when, once I got my birth record, my birth mother had included letters in there for me because it turned out that I was potentially carrying a gene that could be passed on to children that she needed me to know about and had been trying to give me that information. But like I said, I was in my early 30s before I knew that. And was able to just send ten dollars and a request for my file. Right. So wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I and mean, I definitely have two different sets of families now. Yeah. So, um, are you still in touch with your like origin origin family? I think that is that what you called it. Oh, um, so my biological family. Yeah. Yeah. So what wound up happening was after I found my biological mom. Um, she lives in Port Angeles, Washington. Oh, yeah. I was living in a different part of Washington State at the time. And uh, her and her husband had a, a, like a mother-in-law apartment in their garage. And so they encouraged me to come live there for some time. And I figured I'd go, you know, stay for like a year or two because I wanted to develop a relationship instead of this like 
hit and miss thing where it would just be awkward for the rest of your life because you didn't know this person until you were, you know, in mid-adulthood, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to have, develop some kind of relationship, so I figured I'd be there like a year or two and get to know them and then, you know, move on with my life, and I wound up living there for 10 years, so. Oh, um, wow, oh, good. I got to know that side of my family really well. Um, my birth dad's side of the family, um, I don't know as well, but I do know all of them. Like I have um, four sisters on that side of the family, and um, you know, well, I'm in touch with them on social media, and I don't, I don't see them as often, but you know, I am in touch, you know, in touch with everybody as much as you know. I think it's it's hard when you're an adult with any family to for everybody to keep in touch because everybody's doing their own thing, so. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Did it feel like a missing puzzle piece when you when you connect reconnected with her? Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, answered a bunch of questions for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it definitely felt because I grew up in a family in which I didn't feel very much, you know, like a fit in at all, which yeah. isn't always the case for adoptees, and it's not, you know, and a lot of people who grow up with their biological families feel like they don't fit in at all, you know. Yeah. That just happened to be the case for me and the family I grew up in. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, definitely. Wow. Um, connected in a way that you don't, if you don't know any biological family members, you know. Um, I wanted to ask you more at the top of our conversation, like, what are your pronouns? Oh, it's he and him. I mean. Okay. Like, all you have to do is look at me and you'll pretty much guess what, you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, I see. I have one, I think I have, I have one trans friend uh, or a couple, um, which is, I mean, not to, not to make it like trivial, but it is exciting. I think it's neat. And they're like, um, they're married, but like, so I'm friends with both of them, but like, um, they're just the most like coolest people. We work together and we're good friends. I've had them on the podcast. So um, it's uh, as a like, this straight female you know just ex- like learning and understanding things and being open to it so um that's helped me with my like education I don't know and now I'm not using any of the right words but um oh. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm like I have a trans friend you know <laughs> well, everybody has their own experience too yeah and their own you know how old are you when you transitioned Oh, see, I'm way behind. I'm so behind on life, which is another, you know, that's another thing having to do with the head injury is that I just have developed, my adult development is delayed. So I'm, I'm way behind. Like, I've only been, I'm like five years into my training. Oh, wow. So okay. I, I, I started late. But, you know, I always, I don't know. Um, it has to do with adult development stuff but it also has to do with just, um, I mean, I've always been very masculine anyhow. I mean, I spent my whole adult life like having women try to remove me from the women's restroom and being called sir or sir sir, or, you know, being asked who's, you know, my given female name, you know, when I tried to write a check as if, you know, why are you a man trying to write a check under this name, you know, so people, it wasn't like people really thought of me as much of a woman in the first place, you know what I mean? Sure. So for a long time, I just kind of thought the shift 
even if, you know, it seems like a lot to go through when the shift isn't going to be that far, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but then at a certain point, particularly because um, a lot of the things that I struggle with because of the head injury um, are related to energy. And so I really started to feel too like, well, maybe if I go on testosterone, that will impact my energy and my metabolism, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that was actually a real part of the consideration for me. Um, in addition to, I really just started to feel like, I would like to see what I look like if, with facial hair, you know? <laughs> be, you know, it would be like, I would like to see like maybe how my body might change. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, if I'm not, you know, I've always known that I was transgender, whatever that means, you know, because you are regardless of if you do anything medically or not, you know what I mean? <coughs> sure. Like, because I never was gender conformative, right? Not since I, not even as a little kid, you know. Um, I, I never was able to like fit in because I felt pressure, you know what I mean? I just couldn't do it. I could never pull it off at all, you know? Um, so if I'm saying that in the first place, regardless of if I medically transition or not, I might as well see how that is for me, you know, because I can always stop, you know? Um, so I just made that decision at at a certain point, but I do know that like everything for me, I'm like 20 years behind on, you know, that's just how my life has progressed because things just take me a long time because of all the obstacles that I have to overcome, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it took me until, I like, I just graduated from college 10 years ago. I mean, the first time I ever went to college was like uh, in 1990, you know? Mm -hmm. So. I feel that, like you just, I mean, it's, sometimes I'm like, oh, I started comedy too late or I I feel like I was kind of a late bloomer with things, but uh, then I just just constantly say like, well, you just have to start from where you're at, you know? And right um whatever you know it is what it is but um and, but how how much better like living your life the way you want to live it from this point forward than like what wait another 10 years you know like so good oh, for you and that well I mean that's the whole thing it's like either I can do it or not do it and what's the advantages you know what I mean like it's not no one's gonna force me to keep doing it if I don't want to do it so let's just see what happens you know yeah so your dogs are so good back there i can see them i know they're, they're tricking you right now because as soon as there's noise outside this is going to turn into something else but as long as there's not yeah they'll be very good they're actually old they're like 10 and 11 but like oh and they flip out when there's anybody outside this apartment uh. it's not good because i have sensory processing issues and also my seizures can be triggered by uh by uh like outbursts of sound <laughs> Oh, wow. I don't have like the grand mal types of seizures anymore. I have a lot of the minor types. And so it can just sort of set me into an episode where my brain is just kind of scrambled for a bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> well, you're doing all the things though. I mean, I think that's fantastic. Um, so you had some wings. We uh, Tell me about the wings that you got. And before you do, do you eat wings in your real life? Like just normally if you weren't doing a podcast? I do on occasion because I am the sort of person who on occasion with their friends 
goes to bars to watch sports. So you know that if that's a thing that you do on occasion, you also on occasion have to eat the wings. Yeah. And uh, I used to do this a lot more. Uh, there was one job that I had where I had like sports bar buddies. And uh, also one of my sports bar buddies, his in-laws owned a wing place uh, near where I live right now, but actually they sold that bar a few years ago and, that, and I don't have that job anymore. And that and we kind of broke up a few years ago. So in the ensuing years, I don't do that as much, but yeah, I definitely do eat wings from time to time. Nice. What kind of wings did you get that we'll name this episode after? I got theoretically hot teriyaki wings. And I, uh, there's, a, there's a wing place that's near my house, which I chose not to order from because I did not like the particular flavor selections. I was like, yes, I can go with the standard medium buffalo, which is fine. But this other place has hot teriyaki, and that sounds like something I would like because I do, in addition to the regular buffalo, I do like the teriyaki wing, and I also like a little bit of spice. And I didn't see that on the menu of the other places I was considering, so I thought that's what I'll get. Also, this particular place had a combo that came with the wings and some mozzarella sticks. So, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pass that up. <laughs> so, it I, sounds like maybe something went amiss. What happened with, I mean, how did it go? Well, I think everything. Well, first off, it took so long. Like, the driver was waiting there at the place for a very long time. Now, in the aftermath of the entire situation, I can theorize about maybe some things that might've gone on. But so then the driver gets here and in my, because of some things I said a minute ago, in my instructions on my Postmates, it says in capital letters, do not knock. The reason for that is loudmouth dogs and the fact that then it can make me have a seizure and yeah. this whole thing. The last time I got a Postmates delivery, the guy knocked. And I yelled at him. I opened the door and yelled at him that it said, do not knock after the dogs flipped out, right? And uh, so the wing guy finally shows up and he knocks and the dogs flip out and I have a minor seizure and then I'm sending notes to Postmates complaining and telling them I'm not tipping the guy because this is the second time I'm oh. and explaining like the reason why I have these uh, capital letter instructions is because I have a seizure disorder which can be triggered by my dogs barking, blah, 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 you know. And then after I calmed down, I kind of wish I hadn't done it, but, you know. Well, where did you get the wings from? Well, I kind of don't want to say because I'm playing. Uh, it's this place called Rebel Wings, I think. Rebel Wings? Yeah. That sounds like the coolest name ever. I know. It seems like a cool place. And I honestly think, now, as far as the wings themselves go and the guy waiting at the place a long time, I honestly think that something happened where they ran out of the hot teriyaki sauce. Oh no. <laughs> it did not, the sauce that I got was not hot. Like it wasn't spicy and it kind of tasted like someone had just thrown some like chipotle sauce in the teriyaki sauce, hoping that would make it spicy, but it just sort of muddied the whole flavor. Oh no. Like, because like smoky teriyaki just turns into this like flavor and also it was the sauce was very dark colored you know like yeah it, so it was just kind of 
like the sludge of flavor that seemed like no i'm sorry that stinks i know i know do better rebel wings i know i know but i honestly i do think that there something must have happened at the restaurant where like you know because that doesn't seem like i don't think that that's what their hot teriyaki wings sure taste like you know what i mean and with yeah. it taking so long it's like it did seem like somebody like either that or that's just the thing they have on the menu and like nobody ever orders it and they're like oh no <laughs> oh no he ordered them <laughs> somebody ordered them how are we gonna make them oh that's uh, that sucks because here's the thing like one if you order food out or at least when i do it's it's kind of special it's a premium you know there's so many extra charges i don't even know burritos anymore but like you know, it's special. You got to wait a while. And it's like, I want my food. I want to eat it right now. I want it hot and ready. And so to have that happen is like such a downer. Yeah. It was a little disappointing. I mean, now, as far as that goes, I have a problem because, you know, dealing with all the things that I do in my energy deficits and just with all the extra stress that, you know, the last four years and the last year in particular I've added to my life, uh, I've gotten a little bit too comfortable with uh, ordering food for delivery. And I have to stop. I have to stop. Like, you know, the unfortunate thing was I a couple months ago I had to stop and then I got some bonuses from work and some money for Christmas and like, like treat yourself. Right. And I go, oh, I can keep doing it now, you know. But I really have to stop doing it now because <laughs> it's really, there's no, well, actually, uh, this upcoming week, I just ordered a box from this um, local place and it's all like locally sourced organic stuff. And it's like more like meal, meal kit. Oh, nice. That you get on a weekly basis. So I'm going to try doing that and hopefully the meal prep isn't, um, you know, prohibitive to me because sometimes like I just feel so lousy that it's like you can't really do much of anything but it seems like it should be fairly easy right I've been cooking a lot at home and um which means I'm going to the grocery store a lot or ordering groceries a lot but then it's like there's always a mess you know the 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 dishwasher's full the sink's full the the stove is full and I'm just like oh it's a lot I mean between the like planning and then going to the store and making the food and cleaning up after yourself. And honestly, for a single person, like shopping food, I mean, it's, you know, there's no way it's as expensive as ordering in all the time, but it's not cheap. Yeah, and you, you know, have to buy so much of one thing, you know, like, I've been making soups though, and those have been really good. And I'll, but, but I only want to eat something maybe twice at the most. Like I'm not, not big on like oh i'm gonna eat this all week so and then it's like oh try to be healthy and it's like that's no fun so yeah continual like everlasting struggle mm-hmm. uh, food. um <laughs> so um let me ask you so let me let's figure out what your wing constitution is in a in a more perfect kind of environment um when you eat wings do you like the drummy or the flat do you go to one or the other first you mean the boneless or the bone-in? Um, no. But do you do boneless? I will. Yeah, I do do boneless. So normally I make fun of people for doing boneless, 
but I like boneless too. But in a wing podcast, you kind of have to like, oh, I'm a purist, you know, just bone in wings. Um, When you get at home, I got the boneless because, and I don't want to have any chicken bones hanging around because they're bad (laughs) for dogs. These dogs will hound after me for them, you know. I just don't want to deal with the chicken bone situation. It's a lot of work too. Like sometimes, and if I've been, sometimes if I've been at a festival and I'm podcasting a lot, meeting a lot of wings, I'm like, I just want boneless to just, I just want to eat it. Um, do you eat wings with, um, like, do you, do you do ranch, blue cheese, neither, both? Uh, blue cheese. Or blue cheese person. Nice. Um, what about the veggies? Do you eat the veggies that come with wings, like carrot, celery, both, or neither? I'll eat celery. But not carrots. Um, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I will, on a rare occasion, eat a carrot, but mostly just the celery. Okay. Um, do you like a dry wing, like a dry rub style wing, or a wet, saucy wing? Um, I like them both, actually. It just depends on the particular flavor combo, you know? And it sounds like you said you like a little spice. You like kind of a little bit of spice. Do you like a little bit of sweet in there too with that teriyaki? I do, I do like some, it just depends, you know, some places, it just depends on how well they do. Like the Thai chili ones can be iffy. It mm-hmm. depends on how well they do it, you know. Um, but I do like a little bit, like, like I like barbecue, but only if it's a spicy barbecue. Mm-hmm. I don't like the too sweet barbecue, you know. Um, but, and I don't like, like, I like fairly spicy, but I don't like it when the only flavor is burning them out. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, if, if you had a preference, do you have a preference between fried, smoked, grilled, uh, or fried, sorry, I don't have my paper in front of me. Fried, grilled, smoked, I think that's it. Or baked, maybe. How what, how would how do you like your wings cooked? Oh, fried for sure. Yeah. How many wings can you eat? Just on a just you know you're feeling good. You're, you're ready to eat. You know what would your number be? That like I would eat in front of people, or <laughs> that actually, like that would be the amount that I would eat that I would feel you know uh, satisfied with having eat that many at the end. I think the latter, like the most you could eat or like. Oh, the, the most I could eat? The most I could eat is probably 20. Okay, that's pretty good. That's yeah. honorable. Because 10 is like the amount that I normally eat in front of people. But 15 is probably the amount that like, okay, I'm full, you know. Yeah. So I feel like I could do 20, but not much beyond that. Beyond that, it would be painful, I think. Okay, so I'm gonna go back real quick to my first question. So when you do bone-in wings, you've got the one that's like the little drum, uh-huh. and there's the other one that's like the wing. We call that the flat. Oh, okay. Do you like go? Do you like the drummy? Okay. So that means you are a D DBC SF20 is your wing constitution. Uh, does, that, does that make me a rare constitution or? No, I mean, you're pretty, you know, that's pretty like, you're, you're right there in the middle. Um, your, your perfect wing match to like eat wings with would be somebody who likes the flat so you can share, you know, right. they're not taking your wings. Blue cheese, I mean, it's very, it's a traditional, it's a, 
more refined palate. <laughs> celery, you know, that's good. You're gonna eat the veggies kind of balance. I don't know. I, I don't have science to this. I'm acting like <laughs> I do um, I'm like, put it on your LinkedIn. <laughs> it off to you. Well, because I was noticing like if you ever on like dating um, apps, people are always, I, I was like, what are all these letters, you know? And then I looked it up and it's like the personality test. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so gonna- we have wing match types. You yeah. Should that. You should, you should start a dating app. That's just entirely based on um, chicken wing compatibility. Yeah. The only thing I have though, is the drummies to your flats. I need to figure out what some of this other stuff means. Um, the numbers is nice though. Cause it's like, if someone's spouse or partner, like, like if your spouse or partner or somebody you're eating with maybe likes four wings or six, that would be perfect. Cause then you'd have like a two dozen kind of thing and you would share that. Um, the truth is you can, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> it well, yes. You do retain freedom of choice, regardless of the outcome of the survey. <laughs> doesn't mean you have to. You have to, oh, you have to get married. Um, oh, I used to ask this question too. Like when you eat a wing off the bone, do you clean your wing or do you just kind of eat the three or four good bites and toss it? I tend to clean it, you know. That's all the all the good stuff off there, you know. I grew up pretty poor, you know. It's a that's a, it's a cultural thing. It's like uh, yeah. you get yelled at if you right don't. exactly. Um, I've over the couple of years I've been doing this podcast, I've gotten better, but it also depends on the wing. Like if they're good wings, you're like, okay, yeah, I can right. eat eat this pretty good. Right. Yeah. I've had this one kind of wing that was like confit style, where they they cut it and the meat's all the way at the top. Uh-huh. So, and it's really tasty. So I like things that are easy to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the allure of the boneless ones. It's just Yeah. Not a lot of work. Not a little like thing. Yeah. But then the, you know, the con is like, isn't this just a chicken nugget? <laughs> like, that is true. It's a nugget. It, you're exactly right. The sauce in a pan and put the nugget in it and then roll it around a little bit. I like the sauce. I like blue cheese. Depending, it depends on the flavor because sometimes I think ranch goes better with like a barbecue, but blue cheese goes good with like with the buffalo. But like, I think I like the sauces and stuff first. So like with a boneless, you can really enjoy all that sauce. But I think I need to stop romanticizing food. This might be part of my problem because I sit there. <laughs> I was at a I was at a show last night and we were talking about. There was like another foodie guy there. He was talking about smoking meats, and you just kind of fall down this rabbit hole of like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, and then this, and then this, oh, and I made this, and what about this? And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I know. I mean, I'm thankful I don't have the energy for all that, because I probably would get way too into a preparation of meat if, if I had the energy for it, you know what I mean? I just don't. like. <laughs> TikTok has made me try different things, you know? You'll see like something really cool and like, well, let me go buy 50 ingredients to make that. Let's see how it goes. Right. And then you're like, like I wanted to make those, um, it's basically a quesadilla or burrito, but you fold it in the, in the quadrants and then you grill it. Uh-huh. Now what am I going to do with 16 tortillas? You yeah, know, I mean, like, well, that's the problem with being single and trying to cook for yourself. Like you go out and buy all these ingredients, but it's like, then you have to eat it all before it goes bad. And that means you have to eat that thing for like a week. And who wants to do that? And I also feel bad eating these huge breakfast burritos like every day. Like, should I be eating that? 
I think you need to find your other single friends and like start splitting things and being like, okay, right. here's eight tortillas for you. Right. You need six of your eggs. Right. And right. All the single people need grocery collectors. Co-op. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. Grocery yeah. Um, so one of the things TL I've noticed, and, and we, we were talking about it before and you, you mentioned it, you're an insomniac. And I, I think like me and maybe people listening have their idea of what that means, but what is, what does that mean to you? Are you just, do you sleep at all? Are you up all night? What do you do when you're up? Tell me. Well, um, I mean, I have a weird thing with consciousness anyhow, and that I don't really ever hit fully asleep like most people and I don't only get fully awake like most people uh which is a whole other thing but as much you know to the degree that I go to sleep which I do sleep I just retain some uh sense of consciousness like I maintain some sense of what's going on around me all the time even when I'm at my deepest level of sleep and then I never wake all the way up like in terms of so uh but anyhow um it just means that like one unless I have like a day where I didn't sleep at all, at all, at all the day before, like I'm not going to sleep before midnight ever. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's just not happening. I'm going to be up. And usually I don't go to sleep, you know, or start winding down until like after 2 a.m. And then when I do like go to sleep, I usually sleep for like two hours at a time and then up again for a while and then I'll go back to sleep like a doze like for an hour an hour and a half and I'm, you know I don't I very very rarely like I have to get to some like s- s- a state of very very deep exhaustion where I'll sleep for you know four or six or eight hours at a time you know where it's uninterrupted and I, and I, and I def my body definitely the worst thing about me is like when my body really wants to sleep is like starting at like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, but that's when it really wants to go to sleep. Yeah. Like Are you work. working from home right now? I am working from home right now. My work hours start at eight in the morning. And a lot of times I'll find myself after having gone to sleep and then wake back up and then try to go back to sleep. Like I'll fall back asleep like an hour before I have to get back up to work, you know? And that's the worst is like dragging yourself back up. I mean, the nice thing about working from home is that like five walls and working oh you cut out for a second there you said oh i said the nice thing the nice thing about working from home is that i have walls and work i'll just go lay down again for a bit you know i try not to actually go back to sleep but i can you know rest for a little bit and you know come back and check my email (laughs) right move the mouse (laughs) no um I, I'm not an insomniac, but, you know, during the pandemic and staying home, like my sleep has, has gotten crazy and it's weird. It's like I hit a second wind at 11 and then I'm up and then I want to be creative and I'm doing, you know, all this stuff, but then, and I usually start work around eight also, but then I'm miserable, you know, when I wake up. Um, and it is weird that we're kind of heading into for me, the pandemic, it's like there's cold weather pandemic and then there was warm weather and the cold was like, I don't know. I don't know if I liked it, but it was, it was cozy. It was like, you have to stay home and you have to do these, all these things, but warm weather pandemic was like, get outside and go play, you know, go places and stay distant. So I feel like it's weird. We're heading in, we're in another, like it's cold again. And in Arizona, it's, it's cool. 
and then it's hot for three or four months and then it's cool again. So I think that's like the cycle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going back into it. And I didn't learn another language or I didn't, (laughs) but also I, I, my job changed, but it didn't change. Like I didn't have all this extra time to do shit. Like everybody was watching Netflix. I'm like, so I think I was trying to do things from like five to whenever PM to like, you know, 2 a.m. Like, well, I got to watch Netflix because that's what everyone's doing. And I'm like, no, you got to, bitch, you got to go to work in the morning, you know, knock it off. So just an adjustment. I do like working from home. It's been a nice break from people, even though I like people, but it's been a nice break, I guess. But I've been trying to sleep train myself is what I was really meaning to sell you. And a few weeks ago, I bought melatonin and I've been working on that. Does that work for you? That has absolutely no effect on me. What's that? Oh, that has absolutely no effect on me, but you know, my all my stuff around sleep is just goofed up on a physiological level, you know. So you can't fix that with melatonin. <laughs> I don't know if it's working, but I have been sleeping deeper. Um, like it doesn't make me drowsy, but um, I don't know. But I'm always freaking tired. It's it's so odd, and I don't need to tell you that. Like it's like it's more odd for you, but like it's. Um, I want to sleep when I'm not supposed to be sleeping and I want to work when I'm not supposed to be working, (laughs) but when I'm supposed to be working, I don't want to work. Yeah. I find that my, like my dread for work is actually worse than work. Oh, totally. Do you ever have dread for comedy too? Yeah, I do have dread. Why did I sign up for that mic? Why did I? And then you do it and you're like, that was great. Yeah. So I, that's where I met you was at Genevieve's Little Bird Showcase. Right. Um, how did you find that show? Did you know Genevieve before? or you, No, you I didn't know Genevieve before. I don't remember if Genevieve invited me to do it or if um, Roxy recommended it to me because I do Roxy's mic a lot. Roxy invited me to do her mic at a certain point and I think either Roxy or maybe Genevieve did Roxy's mic or something. Oh yeah, okay. It somehow was connected there because I know it was after I started doing Roxy's mic that I started doing Genevieve. So I think it's connected there somehow. Okay, that's awesome. Do you ever do Roxy's mic? Do you even know what I'm talking about? The Roxy Murari? Yeah. Yeah, I've done, I think I've done it once, but I feel like I've gone down to Tucson like once to do an open mic and then I've, I've just met her here and there because she'll come over to Phoenix sometimes. Um, but I did do it. I think I only did it once. Um, it's weird because I feel like if I sign up for these mics, then I won't want to do them. But if somebody asks me, then there's that obligation feeling and you're like, okay, well, I have to do it because they asked me. Right. Um, but I think it's a... I think it's a good way to just stay fresh or to, to do something. And that's kind of my, I think that's my motto is like, do something. And I was really worried, like, what if I'm not a comedian at the end of this pandemic? And it's like, well, if that's what you want, then that's what's going to happen. But if you want to keep doing comedy, just keep doing comedy. Don't use it as an excuse. So just to kind of get, sometimes I'll, I'll send up her mic to kind of get things moving if things are stale. Yeah. Have you been able to like write and and how are you feeling about your 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 set and your stuff in in Zoom and in the pandemic? 
I feel pretty pretty good. I mean, I feel like, uh, I mean, I feel like I've actually written a good bit of stuff. And like, if I actually think about like all the stuff I've written and like just kind of discarded along the way, it's actually been a good amount of material. But you know, there's been you know a number of things which just sort of were. Um, pertinent to what was going on at the time in terms of the pandemic that you just kind of let go because like I, mean, I could still be telling them because we're still basically in quarantine but after a while it's just like stop nobody really wants to talk about being in quarantine anymore you know what I mean or enough other people still are talking about like I'm tired of talking about it like let's just accept that as a given that's not something we really need to talk about anymore you know what I'm saying like I don't yeah like, like confused about telling jokes about that anymore you know yeah so much else to talk about at this point it's like low on my list of what i'm trying to talk about you know i feel that way about politics a little bit like um i watched the news for you know forever for four years and, and just watch things and follow things and it's like i just you know when when on january 20th i just kind of exhaled and i'm like okay you know and just and i know it's not a switch you know like it's gonna turn on and, and be done but like I'm tired of talking about those yahoos, you know, like right. tired of hearing about them. Like I'd watch CNN all day. And then each night I record a uh, late night with Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers. And I, I love their monologues and I love a closer look. And I would just like, just be so, I was so in tune about everything that was happening every day. And I really, it's exhausting. Yeah. Which is why I don't keep up with it. I mean, you know, I keep up on things like I keep up on things with Twitter, you mm -hmm. know what I mean. And I dip in and out. Like I just need to know what's going on, but like I'm not gonna get involved in reading all these everyone's threads and like you know what I mean. Like I'll know what's going on, but like yeah, it's just it is very exhausting to like keep up, keep up, keep up all the time, you know. And in yeah. terms of comedy, it's like I know comics that are political comics and that do good material about that, and then I see all kinds of other people try to take it on and do it poorly all the time, mm -hmm. you know? And I, if I feel there's something in particular that's happening that I have a good joke about or that I want to speak to for some reason, I will do a bit about that. But like, in general, I feel like my entire existence is political in and of itself. And I'm talking about my life at all, you know? Right. I mean? It's a political existence and that's enough for me to be taking on and presenting all the time because otherwise like I'll leave like the actual politics to like political comedians you know what I mean it's like uh, as far as the political comedy I'll let Josh Dudenado speak to me you know what I'm saying he yeah you know um that? his name sounds familiar but I'm not sure yeah he does a lot of political comedy and he's really smart and uh he's from LA but he just moved to like somehow both Atlanta and Chicago <laughs> <laughs> You know, something like huh something like that anyhow but he's a but that's a really good point when one's existence is political it's like okay I'm gonna focus on that and not that so um no I totally get it I did I was in Seattle last it wasn't last year it was late 2019 I did a I featured at laps for a weekend with one of my friends yeah and it was pretty fun yeah and I'm sad like they've been closed you know, like I was like, oh great, I'm gonna try to get back there in 2020. And um, well. Yeah, I think they're opening up at 25% here pretty soon. Nice. 
Well, that's the thing too, is a lot of, um, I've been able to work around Arizona because they're leveraging more, everyone's leveraging their local comics more. And so the places I would fly to, you know, they're not, I would, if they asked me, if people asked me to go there, I like, I would go out. Um, but they're just, they're not asking because they don't, you know, I don't think they want to ask people to yes, do that. I'm, I'm not doing anything out in the world for a while yet because I got enough problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, that I makes sense. Like, I can't afford to like, risk my health, you know, um, at all. And I think, uh, you know, yeah, I just am not confident that, that people, should, you know what I mean? Because like, if you look at the numbers, like, it doesn't even make sense to me. But, like, now you know is more dangerous than it was when everything was shut down in the first place you know what i mean like so it doesn't even make sense to me like but there are people yeah i read uh i think on facebook too there are people in seattle that are starting up doing open mics just like i don't know why it is um no you're totally right and it, it always makes me reflect on myself and go mary um and any excuse i make won't make sense or be enough so i won't um, in terms of the phoenix comic well i guess i know someone that does right now but have there been a lot of COVID infections in the comedy community in phoenix um i've heard about a handful but and and, and as of late it seems like you hear about it and then three weeks later they're back on stage like they're they're done with it or something and I'm like wow okay I I mean I hope if I get it I get it like that but there's no guarantee and I do I am trying to keep my parents safe being that they're older and stuff mm-hmm. um so that's but then I guess they'll tell you or anybody will say that like after a certain point you're not contagious um but gosh it just seems like a gamble to me Right. And I also think people don't know because I think sometimes too, when people think they've recovered, I don't know if they're necessarily getting tested again. You know what I mean? Like at the right level, right because you can be asymptomatic and still have it and not know. Well, what's scary to me is, and I ha- I've been working since like, since like the first, when, it, when, when things opened up, but my point is, the audience and I, I wrap up, I'm like really careful. I've got my hand sanitizer. I stay away from people. I go on stage, I wipe it down and nobody else gives a shit. It feels like sometimes like they don't care that I'm wiping this, the, the mic for them. The audience is all maskless because they're eating and drinking and that's allowed. But it's like, I know like you don't have to wear the mask when you're sitting at your table, but like, why wouldn't you, you know? And that is a little scary. Um, so but that's kind of the attitude in Arizona a little bit too it's like my my liberties you know so yeah I don't know I just uh yeah it's a big risk I don't feel safe about it myself you know and if other people you know everyone kind of has to like you know gauge for themselves what they feel yeah I agree um if you let's say it's post-pandemic um and you had a a wing night this is my hypothetical fun question you had a wing night at your favorite like bar restaurant club whatever and so like it's a wing special but you could also plan the entertainment the like a drink special or whatever kind of night it was what would tl what night would you create and it can be 
ridiculous if you want, like no budget, it doesn't matter. But like, what would plan your night with a wing special? What would the wings be? Oh, so first I guess start with the wings, huh? The wing special, yeah. I'm trying to think what that would be called. Uh, I want like uh, I want like a pulled chicken wing. You know what I mean? Like you know how what, what kind of sauce is that in particular they put on like pulled pork and pork pulled chicken? It's like some sort of Louisiana barbecue, right? Like if it was like a shredded chicken, right? But that's uh, there's that sauce that they put on pulled pork and pulled that bar that particular kind of barbecue sauce. I don't know what that style. I feel like I've always had that like sweet baby rays when it comes to a pulled pork sandwich. Right. So I want like a spicy. I want like a. I guess I want like a spicy barbecue. Wing. Okay. Yeah. Um. What would? <laughs> what entertainment would be there? What entertainment would be? It would be karaoke night. It could be bad bingo. I don't comedy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I would want like a classic rock cover band. Nice. Classic rock cover band. And also that would let people sing with them if they wanted to. Oh my gosh. They'd invite you up. Yeah. Sing with them. So it's a like classic rock karaoke band. That would be amazing. So you'd be eating your wings, clean off your hands and get up there and take the mic. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that sounds like a good time. Any drink specials? What would the drink special be? The drink special would be like, uh, um, shoot, probably like, like, uh, it'd definitely be vodka based. Okay. It would probably be like some kind of maybe some kind of a mule that has a little bit of uh, strawberry juice in it. <laughs> strawberry mules. Yeah. For some reason, I just thought of, I'm like, I'd have 50 cent LaCroix. You'd have 50 cent what? 50 cent LaCroix all night. <laughs> Nothing's right. 50 cents anymore, if you think about right. it. Well, <laughs> I you know. So I'd have that for the one drink special. And then we'd also have to have like, a dollar PBRs, you know, for the classic rock band crowd. Brown bag it. Yeah, yeah. How funny. My, it's so funny. My dad, one time, I think we, we went somewhere and we got PBRs and he goes, I used to drink this in Vietnam. And I'm like, what? He goes, but it was hot. And we'd have to open the can or something like that. It was like a classic open. Can opener. And I'm like, oh wow! And now it's uh, it's trendy or it's right. So crazy! Oh my gosh, how fun! Um, I'm gonna ask you one more question, and then I'm and I'm then I'm gonna ask you uh, what I, one thing I ask everybody. So I'm gonna I'm telling you right now, so you can kind of think about it maybe. But like, 
I'm going to ask you, what are your hopes and dreams? What do you want in one to three years when it comes to comedy or life or whatever? But before you answer, this is probably a bad way of doing things. Let me, let me load all these questions at you. Um, no, what would your last meal be if you got to pick? This is my last meal. I was on death row. Well, I didn't want to be so morbid, but sure. Yeah. Death row would be the way to do it. Okay. I would have uh, cheese enchiladas with mole sauce. That's like my favorite thing in the whole world. And then for dessert, I would have key lime pie. Ooh. And uh, to drink, I would have uh, probably um, Pepsi, the kind that has real sugar, not, not uh, corn syrup. Like Mexican Pepsi or Mexican? Yeah, yeah. Or they, they do make a version, American version that has sugar instead of. Nice. That sounds good. And then, uh, you know, uh, like coffee to go with my pie. Coffee. Have you, did you ever watch Dexter? I did watch Dexter. This always stayed with me. An episode, it was towards the end. uh, And he went to talk to a woman that worked with his dad and she was, and she knew what he was. They didn't talk about it. She's in the hospital. She's kind of dying. And she was like, if you could just get me that key lime pie. And I think there was this subtle thing, like, can you please kill me? Uh-huh. And she brought her one and she was like, eh, it's not quite right yet, Dex. Um, and then when I went to Key West, I was like, I need key lime pie. But yeah, that is really good. I think eventually he did kill her, right? Like, or something, but. Yeah, she- I don't remember the specifics of that show too much. I remember it fell good. apart like in the last season, like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first couple of seasons were really good because it was so different. It was so like, oh, wow, you know, and that was such a, you know, because I was a big uh, Six Feet Under fan. Also, did you watch? Okay, that? I didn't watch that. It was a little too like, I'm t- I'm too scared of death topics. Oh well, that show is really good, and uh, Michael Hall was really good on that show too. But very, you know, night and day as far as characters go, you know, so. Yeah. Can you believe, like, and remember when Dexter and Deb got married in real life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a picture of them. It's kind of the one that gets used a lot of them, like at the Emmys or the Oscars, and she's in this gorgeous black sparkly dress, and he's in a tuxedo. And I went, okay, I'm going to sound dumb saying this, but that's when I realized, like, these are just actors. <laughs> Cause I'm like, they're not Dexter and Deb, this, you know, they're just like, look how freaking fancy they are. And they're right. married to each other. Right. He's not actually a ser- serial killer. She's not really a cop. Yeah. Like they look like pain in the ass, overprivileged, you right. know, actors. Just, and I'm just like. Skinny white people that make a lot of money. Yeah. It really burst the bubble for me. I was like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> So, TL, uh, as we wrap it up, what do you want? What would you like to happen in the next maybe one to three years? Well, I mean, I really would like to find some way to uh, make money doing comedy in some way, either, you know, writing or writing and performing, you know. Um, like, one to three years is about, you know, things take time in comedy. That's like, yeah. you know, I would like to think that, like, in three years you know i would like to be like a club feature for sure 
right. you know i mean i think i've been ready for that for a while but actually like getting to the point where you can develop the relationships to get there is the other thing you know yeah like i can do it i know that but it's like it sort of feels like you know like you just got to find the right headliner to like want to take you along you know what i mean like more yeah. so like making headway at clubs even if you can find the right headliner that wants you know to work with you then that's kind of you know perfect we'll put it out there and you shall have it yeah i hope yeah no it's out there well awesome so, uh thank you so much tl devaney where can people follow you um i'm at tl devaney on both uh instagram and twitter they can find me on Facebook, which is my full name, like they see it right here. Um, that's kind of all the stuff I do. <laughs> the rest of it gets a little bit too worky for me, so I don't do all the TikToks and the other stuff. Um, Perfect. But uh, thank you for having me. It's been fun talking to you. I'm really yeah. glad to this. Yeah, it's great getting to know you a little bit better. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Give us a like, a follow, a share. Uh, rate us on iTunes at Love a Follow on Instagram. Uh, for <laughs> for TL Devaney, I'm Mary F. Church. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on Wings with Friends.